never mentions the word addiction in certain companies. Yes, to tell you she's an orphan after you meet her family. Hi everybody, welcome to this week's Hardcore ER. I'm doing this one solo. Mary couldn't make it today. So, today's Hardcore episode is about addiction. We've all lost too many people to addiction. So many people have to turn to drugs and alcohol to help make the pain go away. I don't think anybody in this world is born to want to wake up one day and say, hey, guess what? I'm going to become an addict. I'm going to become an alcoholic because it's such a great, great life to live. In desperation, lose my family, have no job, sometimes prostitute myself out sometimes do really terrible things to myself and to others no i don't i don't believe it maybe there's some people out there that are born i don't know predisposed to it nature versus nurture i don't know but it's touched us all and today i want to talk about my experience with addiction in the ER. It ain't pretty. Well, I mean, what addiction is. But I want to tell it from the perspective that most addicts, most alcoholics, are not bad people. They do bad things, or they can do bad things. And yes, of course, those, there are those few that are bad. They don't care. They may be a sociopath or a psychopath that has an alcohol problem or a drug problem. But most people aren't. I want to start off with one particular story that has stuck with me to this very day, and I don't think it'll ever go away. This story is about three generations of alcoholics. I'm trying to think of the best way to tell this story. So I think I'll start from the beginning. There's a woman back in the 1970s, 60s, and she's beaten and abused, and her parents are alcoholics and drug addicts. And she was born into a family that didn't discourage children from alcohol. In fact, encouraged it. A family that thought it was funny when little kids got drunk, left paraphernalia all over the place. 
And this woman, when she turned 14, got pregnant. And she was on her own. Living from house to house, place to place, trying to raise this little baby on her own. She becomes an addict, a drug, a drug addict, a, an alcoholic. She doesn't know how to make money. She knows she loves her baby, but she doesn't know how to make money because she doesn't have a babysitter and she doesn't have any support. The only thing she can do is ask to go back home to the shitty hellhole that she grew up in. And they don't care. Yeah, sure, come on back. Just make sure that we don't have to listen to that little brat too much. And let's just make sure that you pay your way. Hey, I've got a suggestion for you. Leave the kid here. Go out at night. Have sex with a few men. Make a bit of money. Come back, gives us some, and then you can have some yourself. Ah, great idea. Only when she goes out there, she can't cope. It's horrific, horrific life. Living on the streets as a prostitute. So she becomes an addict and an alcoholic. She's old before she turns 18. She's lived an entire life. Her child is now four, neglected, dirty, unloved, surrounded by chaos and abuse. And that child really doesn't know its mother and what she does, it's this mother is uh, indifferent. She's now a full-blown drug addict. She gets older, the baby gets older, and she starts to rebel around 10, 11, 12. Her mother says, you know what? I think it's time that you started to make some money. Got an idea. Take some of this, make you feel better. Go out on the streets and prostitute. Make some money, bring home some money to mama. She does. It's a family tradition now. She goes out, hits the streets, becomes a prostitute. Just like her mother and just like her mother told her to. She gets pregnant by one of her mother's boyfriends, likely, as she's being sexually abused at home. But, you know, that sexual abuse is it really sexual abuse? Because she's a whore, right? She's a whore and she might as well give it away to her new daddy. It's part of payment and just cause. She has her baby and her baby is born addicted and this baby lives the same life as her mother and her grandmother. She hits the streets younger 11, 12. But only now, this is in the 2000s. And guess what? It's not just coke and heroin out there. <laughs> but 
not just coke and heroin. Right. And booze. We've got some really, really great drugs now. We've got, we have prescription pills, hydromorphone, Percocet, fentanyl. Yeah. Cocktails of drugs. The old ones, new ones, and, and booze. But something's different in this girl. Her body starts to break down faster than her mother and her grandmother. Her body gets really sick and she gets hepatitis at a very, very young age. Not to mention every venereal disease that you can imagine. And she becomes a patient of mine. I see this 21-year-old woman going on 60 with a gigantic abdomen, cirrhosis of the liver, blown right up. She doesn't look like she's pregnant with a baby. She looks like she's pregnant with triplets. And her legs are swollen and her arms are swollen and her face is swollen and she's angry as hell and she hates everybody. When she comes into the hospital, you really don't want to be her nurse because she's abusive and she throws urine at you and she rips IVs out that took us 10 tries to get. She throws food at us and she has fits and she, she's very sick. Why? Because her brain has been destroyed. She's paranoid. She is drug-addled. She's dying, and she's going to be dead in the next couple months. She's always asking to go out for a smoke. Sure, why not? She can get out there safely and back. There's usually someone that'll take her. Who am I to say no? Every once in a while, mom comes in and grandma. They come in together. And you know what? She looks older than their combined age. And they come in and they're rude and they're nasty. But they're in much better health. And they come in, they bring her smokes and donuts and coffee. And I'm presuming other things because this woman's mood changes. And do we want to tell them to leave? Hell yeah. (laughs) I don't want them there. In my gut, I'm disgusted by them when I see them. And they fight. And they speak horribly to each other. But they also laugh. They laugh really hard with each other. And you know what? They, they tell the kind of jokes that you think, how can that be funny? But to them... It's their life. And sometimes they hug and sometimes they cry. And I want to hate this mother so badly and I want to hate this grandmother so badly and I, 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 I'm having a hard time liking my patient but you know what? I can't. I just can't. Because it's generation after generation of abuse and not one of them were conceived 
in a beautiful way. They are the product of rape or prostitution being used and thrown away. Not one of them came into this world addicted, eyes blinking, cold, wondering what the fuck is going on? It's really bright out here and it's really cold and I don't feel all that good. Well, they didn't ask for that. And yet here they are. And I can't hate them. I don't have to like them because of what they did to each other, but I can't hate them. I don't like what they do. I come into work one day and one of the rooms in the area that I'm working in, the doors shut and the drapes are, are drawn and I'm told pretty quickly that there was a person that passed in that room and we're just waiting for the doctor to come in and pronounce them and take them down. I read the name on the chart and it's the young woman. She's, she's died. She died alone. They can't get a hold of the family. We still have to do some preparations to her body to get her ready. I go in the room and I look at her. She's young again. Her, her face is young again, even though you see ravages of, of addiction. You see the face of that child, that little girl that didn't have a chance. And I cry, just like I'm choked up right now. Because how the fuck does this happen? We're all so quick to judge. We walk by people on the street, asleep, and step over them or step around them and go, ah, it's a bum. So people stand on street corners with signs and a cup and say they need just something to eat. And maybe they're going to go get some more drugs. Maybe they're going to get something to eat. Maybe they're going to get some booze. I don't fucking know. It's not up to me. Here's a few bucks. I don't care. I don't care what you do with it. But you're a person and I'm a person. And I've seen babies born addicted children coming into the hospital with fetal alcohol syndrome and their lives are in shatters many of these children are adopted and the adoptive families are trying to figure out a way to cope alcoholism and addiction runs rampant through all over our country all over the world there's a man that would come in, be brought in by police. I'm going to call him Bob. Bob was probably the most pleasant man you could ever meet. He was often found unconscious on, the, on a sidewalk. And he would come in and we'd let him sleep it off and we'd give him something to eat and he'd want to be back out again his choice but he was pleasant and he was always clean he was always well dressed and he always smelled great why because he drank 
aftershave, and mouthwash. Funny, not funny, right? And then there was the mustard lady. I called her only to myself because her skin was the color of mustard. She was an Ed stage alcohol disease. And she'd come in all blown up, meaning that her skin was taut and shiny because she had so much fluid in her, her body and her spaces because her liver was working on 5%. And she'd stay for a while and get her sober as much as possible and comfortable and stable. She'd be in the hospital for a week or two and her husband would bring her in a Mickey now and then. I don't know if uh, in Canada, Mickey is a, what is it? I forget even how much it is. Uh, a small bottle, the smallest bottle of booze, I guess you can, you can get. Uh, not the tiny little one drink ones, but uh, however many mils, 350 mils maybe. Because here in Canada, the next size up, we call it a 2.6. 26 ounce. And then a 40. That's, one of, that's the big one. But he just brought her in little Mickeys, which were like snacks for her. But he kept her. He kept her in booze. But you see her liver so broken that it doesn't take much for her to get drunk. And it lasts in her a long time because it just can't filter. But, you know, it's, it's well managed in the hospital. And they get caught every once in a while and he gets kicked out. And she goes home. Settles in in her lazy boy where she'll stay in it for weeks at a time doing all her business in there my husband brings her home booze every day and the last time I saw her her abdomen was massive she was incoherent she had wet brain uh, dementia her eyes were open no one was home. And I wanted to take her husband outside and punch him unconscious and say, why, why did you do this? Why did you keep bringing her booze? But you know what? He said he loved her when we asked him nicely and he didn't want to see her suffer. And she was a tyrant when she didn't get it. And there was no other family. It was just those two. Yeah. I didn't see her again. She passed away. So those are three, three stories of alcohol and addiction. I've had people come to triage shaking, terrified in acute withdrawal, just desperate, and crying and ashamed, and... I would hold their hand for the second or two that I had. I'd look in their eyes and say, you're here. Let's get you some help. They don't need to be treated like shit. They don't need to be treated like garbage. They already feel like that. And they aren't that. They're human. 
And if all of us listen to one story of a person who is addicted, maybe, just maybe, we'd, everybody would have a better idea of what this is about. And don't lie if you say you don't know anything about it or you haven't had someone in your family because you have. My cat's here. Oops. Uh, she can tell when uh, <laughs> I'm getting a little riled up. Well, in a second, I'm going to go give her a treat and see if she'll stop meowing at me. Just a sec. And I'm back. Did you miss me? Of course not. Through the power of editing and pause. I wasn't even gone a millisecond. But yeah, I'm back. And I went and got my drug of choice, which is a freezing cold, fresh Diet Pepsi. Because I don't drink. And I don't do drugs. And there's a reason for that. Hell, I'm already deep into this episode, so let's talk about this. There's alcoholism on both sides of my family. And I went through some shit as a kid. And work definitely got to me. Especially at the children's hospital. And I hurt myself, my leg. I pretty much destroyed it one night. And it stopped me from going to work. I needed surgery and I was off work for, I don't know, what, two months or so, three months. And I was running away from my demons doing a great job of it. I was a successful ER trauma nurse. Had a beautiful son. Great house, great car, and a nice relationship. But I was hobbled by the universe, if you want to look at it that way, because I had to deal. I had to deal. So lying for hours on my couch watching Steve Wilkos. Yes, I watched Steve and I watched Dr. Phil. Well, at least I started then. Bored out of my skull, my demons caught up with me and started making my brain crazy. Flashbacks, you name it, all of it. So what did I do? I would have a drink before I went to bed. And then that helped me sleep, right? And that turned into a drink before dinner and then a little drink, a lunch. And then before you know it, I was drinking all the time. I had developed a problem. Alcohol for me had become medicine. I drank to stop the pain. And it was hurting everyone around me. And I don't know if I'll ever forgive myself for the pain that I caused people. But because of the love of the people around me, I stopped. And I'm sober for a really long time now. And I'm proud. But because of that, I was able to get treatment for my demons and no longer need to medicate myself with alcohol in order to live. So yeah, I have a, a great understanding, at least some understanding, 
of addiction. And I know that no one looks for it. No one wants it. So I think I'll end my episode on that with a story and a confession. And I just want to say to anyone out there who's having problems, you're not alone. Don't be ashamed. There's help out there. Get it. Please get it. Don't go cold turkey. It could kill you. Go to a hospital if you need to. Reach out. There's hotlines. There's places that you can go. And you might be surprised that if you told your family, they probably already know. And if you told your family, they probably will love and embrace you. And if they don't, there is a community that will. I will. And those of you that may have a husband or a wife or a child, a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, a friend, don't allow yourself to be abused. Don't be a punching bag. Get help for yourself. And when you are getting some help for yourself, help them. Be there, even if it's just as an ear. Support them and love them, but put yourself first. There's hotlines. There's AA. Some people believe in it. Some people don't, but it works. And there's groups. Please just seek out the help. And next time you hear about an addict, and I'm not talking about uh, the people that beat their children or are like the true crime people that we read about and want to figure out. I'm not talking about them. The guy on the street, the person that you work with, just maybe we can all show a little bit more compassion and understanding and not be quick to judge. Sorry if I sound preachy. It's not my intent. But everybody's got a story and we've all got shit. And I'm going to leave this episode on that note. Love each other. Take care of each other. Take care of yourself. And most importantly, love yourself. Peace. One love. I hurt myself today To see if I still feel I focus on the pain The only thing that's real The needle tears a hole the old familiar sting Try to kill it all away But I remember everything What have I become? My sweetest friend Everyone I know Goes away in the air, and you could have.